Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Man, it is good to be at Brave today. Uh, We are continuing week three of the journey. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark. And so today we're in Mark 14, verses 32 through 42. So if you didn't get notes, raise your hand. Our ushers will get those to you. Uh, But we're going to begin. Let's read our passage together, starting in verse 32. It says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away, and he prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Let's pray. God, I pray for every single person in this room. I pray that we would be open and receptive to what you want us to hear through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever slept through something? Maybe some of you are sleeping right now. Um, If that happens, you you have our our permission to just give them an elbow. Uh, We don't sleep here, okay? But if someone uh, falls asleep next to you, just, you know, just let them have it. Um, So have you ever fallen asleep before? Like, first, (laughs) let's fall asleep before. Have you? Have you ever fallen asleep in church? Quick show of hands if you've fallen asleep. Okay. Well, a few honest people. Um, Have you ever slept through your alarm? Last month, when I was on paternity leave, I was sleeping so hard. And like it was one of those nights where I just somehow ended up on the couch, by God's grace. you know. And so I'm out in the living room, and I'm sleeping so hard that morning. And the sound of my alarm made it into my dream. It was like a siren going off. And I was just like, man, the, the cops are all over this dream. Like, what's going on? And then, of course, I did wake up to my wife yelling from the other room, turn off your alarm. And so I, I, just, I just slept right through it. The truth is, we don't just sleep through alarms, OK? There is a, a phrase that's really popular right now, don't sleep through this, right? Don't sleep on this. Don't sleep on the Warriors during the playoffs. Or don't sleep on Brave Next Sunday. Don't sleep on this movie that just came out. Don't sleep on something. It's to not miss out, to not overlook, uh, to, not, to not see something that you need to see. This also applies to really important things. Like don't uh, sleep on this opportunity. Maybe God's opening a door for you. 
Or don't sleep on your marriage. How are you cultivating love and romance? Don't sleep on uh, your calling, the things that God created you for or that he's asking of you. Are there things God created you to do that have maybe over time just kind of been deprioritized in your life? You started saying yes to so many things. Before you know it, you're saying no to God. There are many reasons that we sleep on things. Uh, Sometimes we're in pain when we've been hurt or jaded, and it's just hard to care as much as we used to. Sometimes we lose our passion. Sometimes we sleep on stuff because we're bored, and we've just disengaged. Sometimes we sleep on life when our expectations don't line up with our circumstances. I thought I was going to be further along in my career by now, or I thought I'd be married by now, have kids by now, have a home by now. Whatever it is that you were expecting, sometimes when those things don't happen on our timetable, we can start to sleep. Sometimes we sleep through things because we've lost hope. So in today's passage, what we see is that even Jesus' disciples fell asleep when they should have been awake. And this was a really challenging moment for Jesus. He, he really needed his friends in this moment. Some really big stuff was about to happen, and they were literally sleeping through it. God's word for us today is the same word spoken to his disciples 2,000 years ago in a garden. Don't sleep on Jesus. The spirit of God is actively moving in our world, but we've got to wake up to see it. Do you see what God is doing? God's doing a new thing in the Bay Area. Are you a part of it? If you're exploring faith, you've probably never been asked this question. And by the way, we love it that every Sunday there are people here that believe differently or at different places in their journey. But if you've been following Jesus for a little while, you've probably been asked this question before, what's God doing in your life? Or what's God been up to in your life lately? When I was younger, this question, I just kind of thought it was a Christian routine, like you get together, you're having coffee, hey, what's what's God up to in your life? But this week, I was getting together with a couple guys that asked me to mentor them, and we're getting together, and I had been studying this passage and this idea of just staying awake, not being asleep to what Jesus is doing, and I just couldn't wait to ask them this question. What's God been doing in your life lately? Because this question can actually be kind of challenging. It can actually be a kind of difficult question because the truth is, it is a gauge for how awake we are to the presence of God in our lives. He's always doing something. And so when we ask ourselves this question, I wonder how some of us in this room might answer that. I wonder how awake we are to what God's doing in our lives. The things that God is doing are incredibly valuable. Maybe you saw in South Carolina, the the mega millions lotto got up to $1.5 billion. And somebody actually bought the ticket and hasn't claimed it. Like, they still haven't claimed it. They bought it last October. Okay, and what's crazy is, like, somebody bought it, and if they had it, they could go into any lottery headquarters and walk out with $878 million after taxes. And they're sleeping on it. Like, they either lost it, or they don't know where they put it, or they didn't even check to see if they won. 
we hear a story like that and we're like, man, that is unbelievable. Do you know what I would do if I had that? Do you know, like, this is, this is crazy that, that they're missing out on so much. Listen, the stuff God is doing in your lives is just as valuable. Amen. Tragically, so many people are sleeping right through what God is doing. Don't sleep on Jesus. So what can we learn from this passage? Let's take a look at this. What can we learn about staying awake? In the second part of verse 33, talking about Jesus, it says that he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And then in verse 34, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. I wonder if you've ever been talking to someone that just felt so overwhelmed that they just could die. They thought they could die. They were so overwhelmed, so, so troubled, so full of sorrow. Maybe some of you in this room have been at a place like that, experienced something like that in life. Number one, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Sometimes the reason that we go to sleep is we're looking for a way to numb out and to escape because we don't feel like it's okay to not be okay. But sometimes life is not okay. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by the weight of our work, of parenting, of our family responsibilities, or of living our purpose. And what I love about Jesus here is that in his final, final moments, before being taken captive by soldiers, he knew what was coming and he didn't feel okay. And it was okay for him to not feel okay. He was overwhelmed with sorrow. He was distressed. He was troubled. He felt like he was going to die. And it was okay to not be okay. Not being okay doesn't mean that you're lacking faith or that you don't trust God. Sometimes we take what trusting God looks like to this extreme that you can never be worried or stressed or, or whatever, and we, we, we suppress our emotions or we detach from them. But when you're going through something difficult, it's okay to not be okay. Not feeling okay doesn't mean that you're not as spiritually mature. It doesn't mean that you don't have a close relationship with God. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, maybe you opened up, and maybe for you it was like a moment of vulnerability, like, hey, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, and then they just said, hey, don't worry, God's got this. In other words, I don't really want to talk about this, <laughs> or, or uh, just, just have some faith, like, just, just pull it together. Imagine if you were there with Jesus, and he told you how he felt, and you're like, hey, don't worry, God's got this. Like, do you think that would have helped him in that moment? No. The church should be the most comfortable place to not be okay. There's this theology out there, it's practiced in some churches, and it takes this idea that we should never be worried or that we should never be anxious, and, and they take it really far with these Christian cliches, like God's never going to give you more than you can handle, which sounds really great on a social media post, but it's not true. Like, we experience way more than we can handle in life. Look around you. There is so much that we cannot handle. God's promise isn't that you'll never experience more than you can handle. It's that he'll always be with you when you do. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Um, being worried because you don't trust God with what's happening in your life, that's, that's one thing. But being stressed and feeling the weight of something that God's asked you to do and feeling tempted to turn away from it, that's another thing. And God's saying, hey, when you're tempted to turn away from following me, or to turn away from the path I've laid out for you, it won't, be, it won't be more than you can handle. I'll be there with you, and I'll give you a way out. I'm never going to allow you to go through a test of your faith that is more than you can handle. I think uh, we need a place where we can be open and we can be honest now more than ever. Uh, this week, I read that more than 130 people in America die every day by the misuse of opioids. That's one person every 11 minutes. Have you ever wondered, why are so many people on drugs in the first place? Right? Like, like it's easier to medicate than to face our problems. And I think a lot of people, they are dying for a place of acceptance where there are people that are willing to carry their burdens with them. People are dying for this. God is listening, and he cares. And he wants us to care, too. And he wants this to be a place where it's okay to not be okay. So don't sleep on Jesus. Voice your feelings to others. Be the kind of person that others can voice their feelings to. Trusting God means that we take all of these burdens that we face in life, and we bring them to him, and we allow other followers of Jesus around us to help carry these burdens, rather than turning to other gods. So look what Jesus did next. Verse 35, it says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Number two, it doesn't hurt to ask, even if God's plan is different. Sometimes our calling in life requires so much of us that we find ourselves wondering if there's another way. Hey, God, is there another way that this could happen or that this could work out? Or, man, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about this. You know, we feel this pressure at times in life when we enter a new phase of life, whether it's parenthood or marriage or being a grandparent or whatever that, whatever that is. There's, there's unexpected things that come along with all of that, Right? When we serve God and we move outside of our comfort zone, when we feel led to share our faith and we're, we don't really want to, or, or when we feel led to give generously and it's more than we're used to giving, it's okay to talk to God about these things, to say, hey, God, is there another way? Some people feel so overwhelmed and afraid of what God's asking them to do that they just go to sleep instead. Uh, I'm talking about when you have a moment of clarity, You know, as you're learning to hear the voice of God, to tune into his voice in your life, and and you feel like something's from him, but you're just not sure you want to do it, or or it it, it doesn't sound very convenient or comfortable or like something that you want to do. And so what we often do is we just rationalize that thought away. Like, that's not God. That's just me. That's just some idea. I'm not qualified enough for that, or I can't really do that. But what God's saying here in the example of Jesus is even if it's not something that you want to do, talk to him about it. In these moments, instead of processing them alone, what if we actually talked to God about them? He wants to hear our concerns. He wants to know what we're feeling. It's okay to ask him 
if there's another way. When Jesus asks the Father, and he says, would you take this cup from me? He addresses God using two titles, Abba and Father. And this double title, it actually only occurs two other times in the New Testament, in Romans and Galatians. And so Abba was a a very common way uh, for saying father, that young Jewish men and and women, they'd refer to their father as dad or or Abba, right? And so it was very uncommon. In fact, nobody did this. It wasn't just uncommon. Nobody else referred to God in such a casual way. And so what we see Jesus doing here is new and unique, and it points to how intimate his relationship with his father God was. But what we see here as he's addressing God this way is it actually hints to something that Jesus was really concerned about. See, I always used to interpret this passage, I would just think, man, he knows it's going to hurt. Like, this is going to be painful being crucified, going to a cross. But Jesus was actually concerned with something else even more than the pain of physical death. Um, This cup represents human suffering and death, but it also represents God's wrath against sin, which would be poured out and includes not only physical, but also spiritual suffering and death. The hardest thing that Jesus was about to experience wasn't the pain of the cross. It was being temporarily separated from his father. God's judgment on sin would disrupt their relationship. And this is why on the cross, Jesus actually cries out. He says, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, in the garden, Jesus knew that this was coming. This moment would happen. And so he's asking God. He's saying, God, is there another way? When we ask God to change his mind, it actually says that we trust him. We're involving him. And sometimes he actually does change his mind, which is so cool. I mean, God has a master plan. He's not, don't be afraid that if you pray something, it's going to mess everything else up, right? Like Jesus had to go to the cross. It was the only way. But there's this amazing room for God to change his mind and for things to change that, that don't throw everything off. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of building a relationship with God is that he hears our prayers and it actually affects stuff, that he wants to be that involved in our lives. Don't sleep on Jesus. You never know what will happen because you bring your requests to God. God hears us, and sometimes it changes things. So after Jesus has this very intimate moment where he just puts it all out there with God, then it says in verse 37, he returned back to the disciples And the disciples, he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Number three, sometimes we don't have the strength to do what we want to do. Um, Jesus tells his disciples to keep watch. He wants them to keep watch for what's about to happen. He wants them to stay awake but they don't have the strength. Has this ever happened to you? Maybe you really wanted to do something, but you just didn't have the strength. Your your spirit was willing, but your flesh was weak. This last Tuesday, I had an extra long day. It was like a a 14-hour day, and I don't have a commute. So that was just like a lot of meetings and stuff. And by the time I got home, Marcy was really tired, and my second job starts. 
because I'm dad now. And so I'm giving Mia a bath and uh, reading her a Bible story and putting her down. And then I got into bed, and Marcy wanted to talk because there was some emotionally heavy stuff that was going on. And so we're talking about this, and I'm just trying to keep my eyes open. Right? Like I love her, and I'm, I'm there for her. My spirit is willing, OK? But I'm like trying to stay awake. And so then we both fall asleep. And it's around 1 AM, and Mia starts crying. And then again, my spirit's willing. I'm like, I'm going to be a hero. So I, I, I grab her, and I'm rocking her. And, and I'm laying in bed, holding her. And next thing I know, we're both asleep. And you know when you fall asleep, and then you just kind of like get startled, and you wake back up? Well, I woke back up, and I'm like, this is not good. Like, she could just roll right off the bed. Like, what if I, I move a lot in my sleep? So this was like. I'm trying to be a hero. My spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. On a physical level, the disciples were exhausted. They were tired. Their eyes were heavy. On a spiritual level, they were blind. See, even if they had 40 cups of coffee instead of the wine from their Passover meal the night before, right, they still wouldn't have been able to stay awake. And we know this because a few chapters back, Jesus says that they have ears that do not hear and eyes that do not see. Think about it. If they really saw what was happening, if they were really aware of what was about to happen, do you think they would have been able to fall asleep? No, they would have been jacked on adrenaline. Like, I can't sleep when I'm excited. I really can't sleep when I'm stressed. And so here they are, and they're just sleeping right through it. Jesus is wide awake. He's going into this with eyes wide open. He knows what's going to happen. The disciples, he wants them there for him. They want to stay awake. Their spirit's willing, but their flesh is weak. Have you ever wanted to do something for God? And maybe you tried to in your own strength, and it just didn't work out? He didn't empower you the way you needed, or you weren't turning to him, leaning on him, depending on him the way you must. See, sometimes um, I think that uh, we try to do things in our own strength, and maybe they're even things that God's asked us to do, but we start off in our flesh, and maybe it works for a little while, but it's not sustainable without the power of God. It may look like we can make stuff happen for a little while, but it's only a matter of time before we fall asleep. So what do we do? Flashing forward, Jesus, he returns a third time And in verse 41, it says that he said to his disciples, he said, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Number four, prayer is essential for what God asks of us. Um, The flesh is the pathway through which Satan tries to distract us from the plans of God. The flesh represents our vulnerability as humans. And so when we decide to follow Jesus, we're being filled with the spirit of God, but we are still flesh. We are spirit and flesh. In this age, we are both. And so this is why we need to to learn to rely on the power of God. Prayer reminds us that we need him and that we can't do things in our own strength. Uh, Sometimes We don't pray because we're not being driven to prayer. And sometimes we aren't being driven to prayer because we've lost sight of our calling. We've lost sight of the things that God has asked us to do. And your calling really should be 
so big at times that it troubles you. A calling that troubles you drives you to prayer because you can't do it in your own strength. This is a a foreign idea for a lot of Christians today that our calling and our service to God could actually stress us out. Because we're all about eliminating stress, right? Like we are a very humanistic society. Humanism is having a strong interest or concern for our own welfare. Humanism, it leads to excluding God from being involved in our world, from living life without him, from only seeing through the lens of what we can do, what we're capable of in our own strength, practical, tangible, and and is only good for us, is only what we're, what we're into, right? So I probably don't have to convince any of you in this room that stress isn't good for you, right? Like we've all, we're all up to date. We've all been reading stuff. The Bay Area is one of the healthiest places in the world. It's hard for us to imagine anything that's stressful being good. Aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to get totally stressed out for you? Like he's there in the garden and he's like, I'm so stressed, I think I could die. He doesn't say, hey God, you know what? I don't know about this. Like I could get high blood pressure. Like this doesn't seem like a good idea. No, instead, what does Jesus do? He doesn't go to sleep. He falls on his face and he prays. Prayer is essential to what God asks of us. Don't sleep on Jesus. Watch and pray. Prayer keeps us awake to what's happening spiritually. It it engages our hearts. It connects us to God. So at the end of this passage, just after Jesus returns and he sees his disciples are sleeping again, he says, enough. And at first glance, it seems like he's saying, okay, third time, enough, right? But this word enough is actually a business term. It's more connected to the fact that his betrayer is coming up. Enough, business is done, Judas has gotten his money. And so if God hadn't answered Jesus' request before this moment, he would, have, he would have gotten his answer when he saw them coming for him. So powered by prayer, the hour had come. Put yourself in this moment. You're Jesus. And the guards show up. Can you imagine how that would feel? They're coming towards you. But see, Jesus has just had this night of prayer where he's laid all of his concerns before God, all of his, all of his troubles, all of his sorrow. He's gotten it all out. And now he's at peace and he's ready. His soul has been ready. Prayer gives us the resolve to do what God asks of us. And so when the disciples finally did wake up, you know what they did? They scattered in every direction. Um, Growing up, I, I never liked baseball. I love watching it now. Like the year we moved here to the Bay, 2012, the Giants won a World Series, and I just fell in love with baseball. So no offense to you A's fans, but it was just too fun. And, but growing up, I didn't really like it because my dad and I, we, we played catch one day. I was like five years old. We're playing catch in the, in the front lawn. And we're tossing the ball back and forth. And then a plane starts flying by. And I'm just looking at this plane. And then he tosses the ball back to me. And bam, it hits me in the face. And so I've been afraid of the ball. And we've had trust issues. <laughs> no, we've worked through that. But... I got distracted by this plane. I wonder how often we sleep through what's happening because we get distracted by the planes flying by. Maybe your plane is the pain you're dealing with. Maybe your pain is, is problems that you're facing. Or maybe 
It's that the potential of what God wants to do through your life or what he's asking of you comes at such a high cost that it's, you're just not sure, so you're going to sleep. There might be some things that you have to give up or to go through to wake up spiritually. Maybe you're here today and, and God is awakening you spiritually. For a moment, I just want to ask you to bow your heads and I want to say a prayer for those of you if there's anyone in this room that is being awakened spiritually by the gospel. That, that maybe you've been exploring for a little while or maybe you're here today and you're, you're realizing what's missing in your life and you're ready to commit and to receive. So I just want to give you an opportunity right now. If you're at that place of crossing this line of faith, I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray a prayer for you. Is there anyone here today that's making that decision? Amen. Amen. I want you to agree with this, this prayer as I pray it. God, I thank you that you were willing to endure unimaginable pain for me. And most of all, being separated from your father. God, I thank you that because of this, you have made a way for me to be connected to you and connected to the father for eternity. So God, we commit our lives to you. We are following you. And I pray that we would, we wouldn't turn away, be tempted away from the things that you ask of us, but that we would walk forward bravely knowing that you are with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.